Here is a conversation I had with the founder of Hyperion Robotics, a concrete 3D printing company. If you'd like, you can check out their website to see some of the projects that we're about to talk about. Fernando, good morning. Hey, Jared, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, thanks. So, I guess, why don't we start off by talking a little bit about how you started Hyperion and I guess how you guys got the idea to go with 3D concrete printing. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, of course. Um, thanks uh, first for putting this call together. Um, <clears throat> the way, um, the way uh, we started Hyperion was that um, I first uh, found construction as, as an industry that were, there was very little innovation um, and even though I didn't have a background, I just found it very interesting and I, I saw a big opportunity there. And so from just, just by doing some research, um, I realized that um, <clears throat> the kind of changes and innovations that were happening in the industry were um, somehow increment, incremental changes, you know, some improvements, but there were, there were no uh, like a big changes in terms of construction processes. So it was fun for me and um, I came up with a few concepts um, and just talking to a few engineers, um, I, uh, I tried to prove um, some, some ideas um, and then I, 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 I came up with, uh, you know, concrete printing. Uh, there was a little bit of uh, stuff going on when I first started um, and then and then what happened was that um, I met my co-founder um, in Finland, uh, who is an architect, and he's been doing 3D printing for the past nine years. Um, and then after doing all these experiments in the beginning, that's when all things uh, fell into place. Um, so, and so what kind from, of experiments were those? Well, uh, we, we basically started uh, doing some printing with concrete. Uh, the, the first things that we printed were some, some chairs, some furniture. Um, so it, w it was just to, to prove the concept of um, <clears throat> having these large scale industrial robots um, and print some initially smaller scale objects that could be uh, the beginning of something much bigger. Uh, that as you well know, uh, there's uh, pretty big projects in terms of housing and, and other kinds of construction projects. So, so those so first experimental big... projects you were talking about, are those with the same printer that you're using now or were those with a different maybe gantry style printer or? It, it was also with a robotic arm. Okay. Uh, we started uh, with an ABB robotic arm, uh, an older version actually. So the, the concept is basically the same. Uh, I would say the first first test was really with uh, with a with a crane, uh, where wow. we where we put the um, we put like a very simple printing head, and then connected it to a hose and and we did some very small printing, uh, and then from there we started adjusting the material, you know, because the first was was really bad, uh, what was extruded was extremely liquid, and it wasn't as the structures that you can see now. Uh, but but that that helped us to you know keep improving the process and and get to where we are now. Yeah. So the 
sounds like the beginning struggle was the kind of the material was really liquidy. You had to figure out, um, I guess, fine tuning how you can print in concrete and have it set fast enough for the next layer. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And Hyperion's main contribution. So you got the robotic arm and then you added the extruder head. Did you design the extruder head? Yeah, so the, our system is, um, I would say it's a uh, combination of, it has four co main components. Uh, so it's the robotic arm. Uh, we're working now with KUKA, the robotic manufacturer. Mm. Um, and uh, there's uh, the mixing pump, um, which is also a third party um, component. Um, and then we have our extruder or printing head, which is uh, proprietary. That's something we have developed. Um, and the software, which is the most important part that helps us controlling the, the entire system. Sure. So the software, I guess, is a constant development. Uh, is where, what's your background primarily? Do you have an engineering background, um, coding background, or did you just kind of get into it? Yeah, not really. I, my background is mainly in business. Uh, so I studied business um, and and then I, I was part of, uh, I, I founded a couple of startups before. Um, yeah. Initially, I worked for, um, for an auditing company. Um, so it was a lot of accounting work, uh, finance, which was really interesting and a lot of learning lessons, but it made me realize that I didn't want to work for, for a company. So that's when I decided to start my own company and, and go through that different route. Um, so personally, I, I'm, I have become, let's say an expert in concrete printing, but, uh, but I didn't study engineering or, or anything like that. But, but my, my partner and co-founder, um, Ashish, he's, he's an architect, but he, he also has a technical uh, background, um, back in India, um, architects are very technical. They're also somehow engineers. Okay. Um, and, and also he's a PhD researcher um, at Aalto University in Finland. So that's how we combine, you know, the, the business side and the, uh, the technology side. So the business side, I guess, is you're primarily responsible for the business side of Hyperion Robotics. And so what's the main, like, business plan, I guess, more or less for a better word? Like, do you guys plan on trying to do single projects for people or do you want to make your money off the software or are you selling the extruder head or what's your plan there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what we're, uh, we're offering right now, it's um, basically uh, printing services. So we're helping clients to design and, and 3d print uh, custom made elements um, for architecture and construction. Um, and we, um, our goal is to, you know, keep, keep doing these, uh, kind of projects, uh, that are, there's different kinds. So we have, um, some focus on the infrastructure side, for example, if you are a contractor that needs, uh, let's say a, a part of a pipe that needs to be produced and you don't have a mold for it and you need it for tomorrow, then we can print that for you and then we ship it. Uh, but at the same time, if we're talking about a larger scale project where um, <clears throat> it would be, it would make sense to ship the robot to the site and print there, uh, like a, we call it like a pop-up factory. We would take the robot there and we would massively print different structures 
Um, if we go about, if we talk about the housing industry, it could be more of a of a service model. Uh, but um, in the end, um, our end goal is to to provide these systems um, globally, um, so so we can also scale and push our technology around the world. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You cut out, I guess the internet cut out for a little bit right after you said our main goal with the houses. And I was really interested oh. in what you were gonna say. Um, I wonder what I missed or what you missed. Um, I, I think I, what, what I probably, um, what you didn't hear was that our end goal uh, is to uh, massively deploy our systems around the world. No, I heard that um, part, I heard that part. It was the part before that something about the housing. The okay, so okay, so the the housing. What I said that, for example, if there's a large scale project, yeah, um, which is something. Uh -huh, I heard would, that. Uh huh. So we would send the, our system, our robot, over there to to the site, and then they will massively produce the different elements needed for the houses. For mm -hmm. example, the walls, inner and outer walls. Um, so that's that's it. So if you face a project like that for the materials, will you ship all of the concrete in or will you source some of it locally? It depends. It, it depends. Um, if, uh, for example, there's uh, one, uh, one, uh, one project we are discussing where part of the components of our mix um, are very difficult to get locally, uh -huh. if not impossible. So, we uh we found a manufacturer we we found that it was possible to get these components from india um so shipping them um to africa would be much cheaper than trying to get it uh locally uh just because of uh, difficulties in terms of logistics so that's a very specific case uh, but uh since we use concrete we can we can really get the main components everywhere um, so if we have a project somewhere else in Europe, uh, we can talk with our local plant instead of having to ship the, you know, the concrete bags from, from Finland, right? So are you in Finland right now? Yeah. Okay. And that's where you do most of your projects? Uh, well, that's where we do our R&D. That's where we're, we're a, a Finnish company. Uh, so yeah, some of our projects are local. Uh, but the interest and the need is global. So we, we're we also working with companies in Europe and then around the world. Yeah, so in Finland, um, English isn't the primary language, right? English is your second language? I, I believe so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not Finnish. Uh, okay. But uh, yeah, and I don't speak Finnish. It's a pretty tough language. Where are you uh, I'm from Peru. Okay, Peru. And you yeah. speak Peruvian? Spanish. Spanish, okay. I yeah. speak a little bit of Spanish from uh, my years in high school. Okay. Not too much. Do you either. remember? Um, tengo un poquito español porque tengo español en escuela por siete años. Okay. En universidad y colegio, muchas de mis compadres están de continuidades que hablan español. Oh. Uh, Practico en conversación un poquito, pero mi gramático está mal. <laughs> bueno, podemos practicar español también. 
Gracias. But I, <laughs> please, if we can continue in English, I think that'd be better. Let, let's go back to English. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you've built a really strong value network around the software and the people developing 3D models. So people go to you with concepts of what they want to print. And sometimes it's not feasible with traditional methods. And so you use the value network and the software and the people that you've kind of brought together to work on with the KUKA robotic arm and your extruder to get results that they really wouldn't be able to get as quickly elsewhere. Right. Um, so I guess the house, is that a long-term, like is your focus in construction or is your focus on kind of whatever it needs to be in the moment? Um, Right now we have um, a couple of main focuses and um, so it's basically um, construction elements. Um, so for again, going back to this example of the infrastructure, right? If you need one uh, custom made uh, element for your construction or infrastructure project, then you can come to us and then we can do it for you. And, and the reason behind that is that current processes um, the, the current process to produce one of these elements is that you need either a custom-made mold that it would take like one to two months to manufacture, uh, usually from a company in, in Germany, uh, right, where the, the biggest uh, mold manufacturers are, and then ship it to wherever you are located. Um, and the other thing is that if you want to use a formwork, for example, for, for a column, um, just the process of putting together the you know the formwork, inner shutter, outer shutter, uh, pouring the concrete, manually placing the rebar. That's crazy, <laughs> you know. It's yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's insane. You probably have experience with it, and it's uh, it's also very labor intensive. Um, at least four people has to have to be involved uh, when we can just print it in you know less than an hour. Uh, so that's where we we believe that we can bring a lot of value and um <clears throat> and comparing to traditional methods it's it's a huge change um and in terms of housing uh which is what i can see you're most interested about yeah um it it depends um we're interested in the large scale projects uh for example affordable housing in africa uh some we are currently discussing to to develop um, again, it would be a little bit more than a pop-up factory. <laughs> you know, we would bring our systems there and develop um, the, the entire project with the help of local contractors and, and engineers. Um, so that's, that's something that we're also uh, looking into. Sure. So <clears throat> the ultimate, like, how many... Hyperion robots do you have right now around the world? Uh, we have a few. We, we have uh, oh, around the world. Um, well, ours, we have, uh, we have three. Uh, but we have deployed different uh, systems around the world. And you print primarily in concrete. Have you experimented with any other types of materials? Um, well, we personally have experience working with 
ceramics, clay, plastic, and metal. Um, and this goes back to my partner's experience in 3D printing. So he has printed with all these kinds of materials. Um, and But uh, at Hyperion, we are, we're mainly focusing on concrete. Um, we know that it's possible also to do some uh, plaster printing and get some pretty unique uh, uh, you know, shapes and, and elements. Um, but yeah, that's that's our focus right now. Sure. So, what other startups did you get involved with before you were in Hyperion? Um, I first founded a, an online grocery store. Okay, cool. Called uh, in, in uh, it would be pronounced pre in in French, but pricks. But the English uh, sounds weird, pricks. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I found uh, I found a big problem back in my, in Peru in my country, where you know just going to grocery stores uh, was was really really bad experience, right? Uh, really bad traffic, so there was nothing to buy groceries online. So I put it together, uh, designed a website, learned to use Photoshop, um, and then I hired a, a developer in India that helped me build a website. Um, wow! Yeah, and it worked. Yeah, that's um, terrific. And so you were located in Lima, Peru, or a different city? Yeah, in Lima, in the capital. And pre is did you step away from that startup or? Yeah, yeah. What happened is that um, I, I believe it wasn't a good, really good timing for that kind of startup because. Uh, there was still not a lot of um, internet or e-commerce penetration locally. So people weren't very used to buying online. Um, and also there weren't, uh, there's not the infrastructure, uh, like the tech infrastructure that you have in, in the U.S. Uh, with PayPal, Stripe, and all these, you know, payment gateways. So I would have had to charge uh, in cash. Um, so it, it was a lot more difficult um, and would have required a lot of funding and teaching people. So what happened is that um, I told my my very uh, my very nice uh, early adopters <laughs> that I was gonna shut down. Uh, so they were very sad, and me too. But it w it was a great learning experience, and and I so the company was shut down. And um, and then after that, what happened is that I didn't know what to do. I knew that I wanted to found another company. I was looking for a job, but um, nothing uh, came came up. Uh, so I decided to sell my car and I moved to Silicon Valley. I booked an Airbnb and I moved. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah. And so is that where you came up with the idea for Hyperion or? No. Well, um, in, uh, in San Francisco first in, in the Valley and then in San Francisco, I was doing different jobs. Um, to pay the rent, you know, it's pretty expensive. Yeah, sure, of course. And um, and then um, I uh, the the next company I founded or I, I co-founded was uh, you know Casa, this three uh, D printing company. Um, so Casa, that's C A Z Z A. C A Z Z A. I remember Casa. This is now we're getting into something really interesting to me. Um, the Casa like that company kind of blew up and it got a lot of media publicity at one point. 
Um, it was one of the first companies that a lot of people heard of involved in this space, especially in America. And then I guess a couple of years ago, you really don't hear anything about Casa Construction anymore. So please go ahead. Yeah, well, really what I can say is that sometimes uh, partnerships don't work as you, you know, as you want them to work. So uh, I just uh, decided to, to move on and, and founded uh, Hyperion after that. Uh, but uh, yeah, as you're saying, there was a lot of uh, media attention that we got, and um, I guess uh, <clears throat> the <clears throat> the it, it was it was a bit early, I guess, in terms of the technology compared to to the potential that that was expected as well. Yeah, certainly, but they had developed the robot that was in all the pictures or was that a rendering uh the picture uh <laughs> the picture of the robot um yeah it was it was a drawing it was a drawing the one on the yeah. tracks um, right it almost looked like a little bit similar to the hyperion robot but it was all it was looked like a tank combined with it too um, yeah it, it was interesting because um, some people said that it looked like a like a weapon, <laughs> like <laughs> like like yeah. we could sell it to the Pentagon or something. It's an interesting analogy because there are some people who kind of look at like the automation like a weapon uh, that they're afraid of. But <laughs> yeah, I mean the Pentagon's yeah. interested in automated construction. Certainly, um, they've been yeah. yeah they've done projects with a couple different companies in America. I guess just experimenting with the capabilities. Uh, they don't release too many details from them. So who really knows what's going on with that? But you were involved early on in Casa and you were there in Silicon Valley, I guess just kind of in the trying to raise money for the most part in the beginning. Do you mean why I was there or? No. Well, when you were with Hyperion, you guys were still raising money to develop the printer or? you like did you run out of money did you run out of like engineers hmm. mm, no well um when i started the company i was still back in in new york um but uh, but yeah w one of the things that i that i learned was to be close to where the development uh, was happening so that's when i decided to move to europe um, and, and yeah, uh, since my partner and all the connection to the local university and research is in Finland, then that's when I made the move. Yeah, definitely. I can see how important it would be to be like around the project so you can stay involved on a day-to-day -day yeah. basis. Um, so now what made you decide to go to Finland? Yeah, great question. Um, well, there's a bunch of things. Um, Finland is um, is one of the leading countries in in construction technologies. Uh, for example, some of the leading companies in uh, precast technology are Finnish. Sure. Um, and, and one of the main reasons I went there was because uh, there's great talent. Um, for example, my co-founder is uh, is based in Finland. Uh, as well, and 
and this connection and partnership that we have with uh, Alto University is uh, is a big plus. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a combination of you know the, the, there's a great uh, startup environment there. Uh, some really interesting companies have come come out of Finland, like uh, you know Angry Birds uh, and and uh, what else? Uh, there's a Supercell, uh, the gaming company, uh, huge huge company. Uh, Nokia, of course, but now they have you know changed a little bit. Um, but I, I guess from from the beginning of Nokia was when all these um, engineers and a huge pool of talent. Um, came up so that's that's still there and that's that's huge for us that's fascinating so how did you meet your co-founder um i i met him uh, through um through a friend um a couple of years ago um first uh, actually this friend was working with me before um and then we we met i met ashish at the university i saw his projects and they were really cool uh, some some cool 3D printing stuff uh, from plastic to ceramics and and things like that, and and then I I told him, um, what if you know you join on a kind of um, part time part time basis you know let's let's work on a project here and there and and see what happens. Uh, so we had a project and uh, I was like oh wow okay this guy is great, um, and um, and I, and then I we became co-founders basically. Uh, so it was kind of a testing period, something like that. We became friends as well, and and then um, and then partners. So right now, are you operating primarily out of the university? No, no, no. Well, we are constantly moving. Actually, um, the university is one of the locations. Um, also, we have partnered with another university in Denmark. It's called the Southern uh, Denmark University uh actually one of the, the projects that we have announced which is a summer school will will happen there in a city called uh, odense um so we also have a location there um uh, but right now um, one of our robots is waiting for us in estonia where we are going to develop a project uh, so we're just waiting for things to calm down a little bit certainly right so yeah so at this point it's you and your co-founder and what other team members do you have full-time yeah we have other three team members uh, so our core team is five people um, and um, the other expertises or, or backgrounds that they have is um, one is an architect one is a civil engineer um, and and software developer um, so it's a great combination yeah and uh, and then uh, and uh, the other one is a civil engineer with experience in um, industrial and infrastructure projects. Um, so we we kind of have a very diverse background, you know, with 3D printing, um, automation, robotics, um, civil engineering, and, and 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 business, right? What's the biggest thing that you've printed? The biggest thing has been uh, sculpture, actually. Um, it was uh, almost four meter tall, um, although it was um, it, it was like a like a modular um, element. So it was it was three pieces put together. Like uh, I can show you later. It's it's a pretty large element. I can just Google it. What's it called? 
Uh, well, it's not online. Uh, I had I, unless it's on the website. Um, but it's it's like um, it's like a teardrop. Let's see if I can find it. Where did they print it? Well, in uh, Czech Republic. It was um, it was an event like a like an art event. So we printed these elements, and we it was all over the city. Um, different kinds of uh, structures, uh, urban furniture, and things like that. So if you were to try to give me like an estimate of where most of the people contacting you are from, whether it be construction or more like art projects or kind of like people like me who are just technology enthusiasts kind of people, um, mm -hmm. how does that, where is the majority? Um, just like you, there's a lot of people interested in housing. Um, it's really uh, uh, either developers or uh, people that develop like project owners, let's say, that um, they want to build large-scale projects, but they don't have the capabilities, um, either because they're in a, in a country or city where there's not enough uh, skilled workers, uh, or there's just no existing technology to build these kind of projects, right? Um, and, um, and then you have the, the construction side where they focus more on these um, you know, custom-made elements. Um, so that's, those are the two, the two sides. Yeah. And I guess the custom made elements, like you said, kind of pipe fittings and stuff like that, that they need to be sized specifically. Right. What kind of pipe, uh, would be used concrete? What kind of pipe, uh, you do, do you mean for what kind of project or? Yeah. For like, what would go through the pipe? Like, is that for electrical conduit or is that for like sewer lines, water lines, gas lines? What? Yeah, for example, uh, one of them is electrical, uh, you know, for telecom infrastructure. Uh, they require these, these kind of um, concrete um, structures or elements uh, where the, uh, they have to be, uh, the water shouldn't go in, so they have to put all the electrical conduits. Um, so this kind, for example. So the water shouldn't go in, your concrete is waterproof? Yeah, it is. And is it like moist proof or is it completely waterproof? Um, well, it, it depends. Uh, it, it depends. Um, so again, th there's different mixes, right? Um, so if um, in some cases, if we talk about these um, electrical chambers or boxes, uh, sometimes the concrete is not enough. So we have to add some kind of, um, you know, uh, plastic uh, cover or something. Uh, this is something that we don't, do as a company, but we partner with someone else to do it with us. So from a permitting perspective, have you experienced um, any conversation with municipalities in Finland about how comfortable they are with this kind of technology being used in construction? Um, well, we have, yeah, we have started conversations. Um, and um, yeah, like everybody, they are very, you know, conservative. Um, they're open to, you know, to exploring. Um, and uh, one of the main, uh, main points that they're interested in um, 
is the sustainability part of, of 3D printing. And the reason is that Finland is a country that focuses a lot on sustainability. Um, you know, they, uh, they want to do everything uh, energy renewable, with renewable energy. Um, and, um, and you know that concrete has cement, which is a very polluting material um, in, in its production. Uh, so if there's a way to reduce this material by a large percentage uh, and on a large scale, then that's something that they're interested in. Uh, so that's, that's where we are trying to attack, you know, and, and go to, to these authorities and tell them, look, this, this technology, this uh, new solution is much better uh, for the environment as well. Yeah, it always gets so tricky when you want to talk about an environmental approach because with things like the technology that makes things environmental, um, like solar panels or lithium ion batteries and stuff, some people aren't considering the amount of emissions that it costs to develop these technologies. Um, That's true. It's, I don't know, it's for me, since I'm not an expert, I try not to think about it too much even because I can't tell which one is actually going to be the most, the least emissions in the end. Um, I know that concrete has emissions while it's curing, uh, mm -hmm. but beyond that, most of the aggregates are pretty organic, right? Most of the other parts going into the concrete are fairly organic um, and pretty available, like sand, limestone kind of materials. And cement, right? The cement is the, is the bad part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, what the environmentalists or sustainable people don't really like much. Uh, but again, you know, th there are some, there are some uh, alternatives out there, like, you know, in industrial waste. Um, that the, the, or there are several mixes of concrete that don't require cement. Uh, but it goes back to the market, right? And if, um, if the people that are paying money for the projects um, are not comfortable yet, to using these kind of uh, amazing products would, because they are, you know, they work. And then uh, we have to find a way to, uh, to adjust it, you know, and maybe use less cement um, on the projects, but, uh, but, but still be able to, to deliver what, what they need. So correct me if I'm wrong, but winters in Finland get pretty cold, right? Oh yeah. So, as far as insulation, um, have you considered those solutions for that? Yeah, well, insulation right now, it's just as traditional. Um, that's nothing new, um, or at least we haven't developed anything um, on that regard. Um, but uh, there's, there's a few possibilities. You know, we can, um, as you have seen in other 3D printing um, examples, um, the walls are hollow, right? So yeah. there, there's space where we can place um, some kind of foam, for example. Um, at the same time, if you want to automate the process, we can have another robot that is 3D printing, in a way, the foam. Um, so it, it really depends case by case. Yeah, some of the walls are hollow. A lot of them use kind of like the zigzag feature, some kind of like corrugated centerpiece. Uh -huh. um, I wouldn't that mess with the R value of the insulation if there's a solid piece of cement going through from one side to the other? 
Yeah. Um, great question. <laughs> and, and really, again, it, it depends case by case, right? Uh, so in Finland, uh, you'll probably see some, some projects soon. Uh, but um, if um, if it messes up and I have to I have to really check, um, then then we would we would print it in a different way, right? Uh, the, it's not necessary to have um, this zigzag in every uh, structure that we build. Um, but um, yeah, if we talk about a project where we don't need insulation, like in Africa, for example, mm. then then the printing is fine. Just the concrete is enough, right? Yeah, certainly. It'll be interesting seeing as you guys are in Finland and kind of like definitely trying to do some projects in Finland, I'm sure, uh, how you're going to yeah. kind of work around the, the weathering problem. Have you tested the concrete in the winter and like freezing it and thawing it? Um, well, we are currently testing it. Uh, now it's getting warmer, so it's <laughs> not going to help that much, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, we should, we should, as in we're based in Finland, that's, that's definitely one of the things we want to uh, get right. Definitely. I saw you did one project that had a beaded structure. So it was like, instead of solid layers, uh -huh. they were going back and forth. Is there a structural effect that that has, or is that just for design purposes? What was it like, uh, like these kind of patterns or? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, it, so this is, um, this is something that comes from, uh, my partner's research, um, which is, um, it's part of our software as well. So we have developed some algorithms that, uh, can produce these kind of patterns and shapes. Um, and the result is really a combination of, um, this, um, aesthetic, looking but at the same time it's, it's stru structural so it helps the structure to be more stable you know so it, it's a combination so that's that's a great thing of, of this uh, thing is there any way to quantify the structural difference or is it not that scientific yet uh it's uh, let's say um i would say it's in, in progress um we we're continuously uh, testing and developing it so we will probably show some results uh, soon. Yeah, I mean, this whole industry is in progress completely. It's like, yeah. certainly everything is still a work in progress. Um, that being said, I guess, is there any plans that you have for a different printer in the future? We, yeah, we do. And uh, it depends, you know, it depends on the kind of uh, project that we're focusing on. Yeah. Uh, for, for example, the, the robotic arms that we use are, uh, they're pretty big. We have pretty big ranges uh, and we can build very large objects. We can, we can build entire houses if needed. Um, but, uh, but yeah, later, uh, as you know, it's the, the, the market is evolving, you know, the industry is evolving. And uh, right now the structures are kind of small um, or smaller scale, right? Um, there's a couple of large buildings, uh, like two-story buildings, which are really cool. Uh, but then it's gonna have to become, um, you know, feasible to print entire buildings. Uh, so I definitely see changes in, in, the, in the printers. 
Um, and yeah, we, I'm sure you'll see some, you, we will all see some very cool stuff happening very soon. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> well, what other projects do you guys have? Like, what are you working on right now? Um, there's um, one uh, very interesting project. Um, I don't know if you have seen on, on the website, but um, we have this um, marine restoration project uh, with artificial reefs. Um, so this is maybe not that related to construction, uh, but uh, there is this problem that is not you know, very well known um, around the world where uh, the coral reefs are uh, the, the source of income and food for a billion people around the world. Uh, and because of global warming and because of you know, rising CO2 levels, uh, they're dying. And basically, this the, the, the type of software that we have developed allow us to, um, to recreate or reproduce these uh, reefs um, in an artificial way with concrete. Um, so what we're working on right now with a, a few marine biologists is to put together some of these reefs and then we're going to put them underwater and then test and, and monitor, um, you know, how this helps facilitating and, you know, regrowing life underwater. So it, it's something very cool. Um, and, um, and if we want to do the link, uh, you know, somehow to construction, is that these this reefs, uh, besides, you know, helping underwater life, um, they, they also become marine barriers, you know, when there's, uh, for example, in Florida or in, in Texas, when you have all these hurricanes and, um, you know, disasters, natural disasters, these reefs also protect the shores from, you know, from these, uh, these disasters. So it's, it's something really cool that is, um, is coming soon. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And I'm looking at the models you have now. It's interesting because it's not like normal concrete that would be a solid block. There's so many nooks and crannies and spaces that things could get stuck. Um, I don't know much about marine life, but I've been scuba diving a few times and okay. coral reefs are beautiful. Um, I know that there's all kinds of statistics about how they're dying at like an unprecedented rate. So it's good that you guys are focusing on kind of the environment and the strong suits where you can really have a positive impact. Um, yeah. Certainly. I guess you haven't put them in the water yet? Not yet, not yet. Um, we probably once, uh, once uh, you know, they open the borders then, uh, or even before we could probably ship them and, and put them um, underwater. And you're putting them underwater where? uh it's in europe okay uh, you you'll see all right <laughs> i will see um so what's the smallest thing that you've printed that was for uh like customer the smallest thing mm. it, it was like a vase um like a vase uh, very small um in um us metrics would be like one foot you mm -hmm. know or 30 centimeters something like that yeah um so yeah we, we can print very small stuff but since uh, the robots allow us to print very big then that's really what we focus on when you make the pop-up factory to print stuff on site what's the 
build setup time of that? Um, so once once the once everything arrives, we can have it we can have it up in a few hours. So pretty quick. Yeah, it's pretty quick. And then within that structure, what's the print volume that you're able to accomplish? I know that you can print things modularly, so you uh -huh. can have it on site and then just like forklift it to wherever its final resting place is. Uh -huh. But within the apparatus, at one time with one object, what's the size? Yeah, so if it's stationary, then um, it has a, a radius of 3.9 meters. Oh, big. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty a pretty big robot, um, and then the height um, it's uh, also three point nine, uh, and and if mounted on some kind of platform, it can go up to four five meters. I guess the tallest structure you mentioned you built was four meters. Yeah. So far. Yeah. Is there anything that? you keep with you that's 3d printed like anything in your house <laughs> like uh, i have one printing head in my house <laughs> um concrete hmm, that's interesting um Never actually not from, with from work <laughs> um no i i don't uh but i should I, I will I'll I'll remember that. Maybe it's better to keep your work at work and just have you stay focused on your home life at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that that helps. So yeah, I'm sure there's all kinds of projects you guys are working on that are kind of like at a halt point right now. Um What's the climate like in Finland? Like are people going outside and like comfortable or yeah, it's it's not that bad um, <clears throat> because they, they put their restrictions from the beginning. So uh, people can go out, um, you know, it's all right. Of course, um, everybody's mainly working from home, uh, which is really fine, you know. Um, and um and yeah there there's not so many cases for example of coronavirus so yeah we're we're just waiting for for things to calm down um but uh, for now just working from home yeah so you have you have some partnerships um huh? you have your partnership with the university um i was just looking at the page two universities, also University of Southern Denmark. Yeah. So or is there uh, like a printer there too and they have a group of students working with it or? Exactly, yeah. There are some PhD students working there. Um, Maybe that was the video that I initially saw like a project they were doing with your printer um, I guess I thought that they were developing Hyperion Robotics over there or something, but really they were just using the printer that you had. Oh, maybe, yeah. Sorry about what? that mistake. No, no, no worries. Well, um, I, I guess it's the um, the beam, right? That this project. 
Um, well, on, on one hand, we, we think that it's, it's definitely very important to, to keep that academic side, you know, to keep, um, to stay in touch with this academic side because there's yeah. a lot of research that has to be done. Um, the guys at the Southern uh, University of Denmark, they focus on robotics and architecture. So they also have experience in um, different kinds of materials as well, different kinds of manufacturing methods. Um, so that's why uh, we have partnered with them. Um, and, um, and yeah, this, um, the, the BEAM was one of the projects that we did uh, where the goal was to, you know, of course, reduce times compared to traditional building. Um, we did it in 40 minutes, approximately, um, when the real, a real uh, not real, but the traditional method would probably take um, one, two, three days, depending on, on the project, right? Uh, we also optimized the design, uh, so we would use less concrete, um, and we basically used um, 40% less concrete than, than a full uh, concrete element. And did you use any rebar? Uh, not in this case, uh, but uh, definitely we would have had to, to add some rebar uh, since the element has to be, you know, uh, changed um, and, and placed in the, in the structure. Um, so the way it would work is uh, we would actually use the printed element as a formwork yeah and then place the river inside and then just pour the concrete yeah sure similarly you could just put insulation in between walls the same way whatever right so what's the cure time for a layer before you can print the next layer on top with your material yeah and uh it depends again it, on it which depends. one it depends on the mix. It depends on the structure as well, um, and we um, we just adapt it depending on what we're printing. Um, but uh, for example, in in this case of the beam, um, the <clears throat> it wasn't it wasn't very um, you know uh, thick structure. So very quickly there was going to be another layer going up. Uh, but then there are some projects where we printed. Uh, much larger elements um, where uh, the next layer took, for example, uh, five, five minutes um, or even five to ten minutes to go to the next one. So, again, it's all about playing with, with the times, with the speed of printing um, and with the materials. Yeah, so you're using a third-party pump. I know you mentioned um, is that a pump from a big company or is that a pump from another company similar to Hyperion? Um, it's, uh, so it's, it's from a German company. Um, again, we have used different pumps. Uh, this is the latest that we have used. Um, there are similar, similar of these out there, uh, but I would say they are somehow large. So what are the biggest challenges you guys are facing? Um, well, now the lockdown. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> That's given. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm confident that things will, you know, get, I don't know yeah. if it's, we can say back to normal, but back to the new normal, right? 
Um, and um, what other challenges? Definitely, you know, building codes, right? Um, but but more than building codes, I would say uh, the way the the industry is, right? Construction is very conservative. They're happy with what they have been doing for the past decades, uh, if not centuries. Yeah. Right? Um, so it's uh, that's definitely a big challenge, and and we believe that the way to to <clears throat> to go over that is is by by showing you know by working together with these companies that are already in the construction industry engineering firms construction companies developers and and showing them that that it really works you know that, that they're saving money and that they're they can make more money as well um and then <clears throat> that it's a much more sustainable process uh much more efficient um so it's it's just a process it takes time but we are seeing great results with with the other companies in the industry as well so so that's i would say the the main challenge yeah i guess another big challenge is just kind of not just the construction industry but also just people as a whole accepting it as a construction method um in america it's like the real estate industry is kind of locked down with construction. There's only so many different types of houses and styles um, that different houses fit into, whether it's like an A-frame or a colonial style or a Tudor right. style. And there's like, they all fit into these kind of categories. Uh, I guess it'll be really interesting to see from a design perspective, how 3D printed houses will fit in Will they try to mirror the old categories of design or will they be able to create their own new category um, that involves more curved edges and maybe kind of automated details that aren't efficient for a person to implement? Um, your team, I guess, is more heavy engineering focused, but what about like creative design focused? Are you guys are you mostly a scientific and engineering company or are you also a creative company? Well, um, on the, on, on the service that we provide of 3d printing, we also help our clients on the design side. Uh, and we have two architects and designers on our team. So design is definitely a big thing for us. Um, and as you were saying, um, we really think that if people want to build like, the designs like all kind of designs maybe 3d printing is not the best option uh if you want just a squared house there's probably better technologies to do it like precast you know you can order these walls just flat walls like like a square and and it may be much more efficient um it depends right it depends where you are um but uh but definitely the the type of curvy designs you know the structures that um, require very complex form work. That's where 3D printing is much more efficient. Um, if somebody has a concept for a project that they want 3D printed and they want to contact you and ask for a project, what are some expectations that they should set for themselves to be realistic? Um, well, they, um, they have to realize that uh, 3D printing is still like in, prog in progress in terms of, you know, development. So not everything is possible. 
uh, we can do very complex things, very complex designs, textures, patterns, and and shapes. Uh, but um, <clears throat> but they they also have to realize that we have to work together. You know, so it's not just that they come with their design and and we will print it, but we'll work with them. We're, we're going to help them to to adjust that to be three D printable, and then that we're going to help them with the project. So it has to it has to be a process to to get to where we can uh, really create with our systems. So in general, is most of the expense in the design process or the printing process? Uh, what, what do you mean, like the time we spend or the cost to an, a customer that you have? It really depends. Uh, it depends on the complexity of the of the project. Yeah. Um, definitely there is a design part but but sometimes the design is almost ready to print so there's yeah. not much to do right so yeah if someone was trying to design an stl file to print on your printer or does your printer take stl files yeah yeah so how would they go about doing that uh well some people just come with a STL file ready and they send it to us and and then we have to adjust it um, but um, usually the best way is to start with a drawing or a concept they come to us um, and then uh, we can give them give them some like set of guidelines and tell them look this is what we can do this is the kind of things that, that can be printed and this is a way that you have to design it so so it's ready to be printed uh, or we can just tell them, um, you know, these are the things we can do. Give us your initial concept, and then from there we will adjust it and make it ready to be printed. So, do you use a custom slicer to convert the STL into like a G code? Yeah, so that's part of our software. Um, that we can really take any kind of 3D, um, 3D uh, file and then translate it into a 3D printable. Have you done any printing with supports? Uh, we have, <coughs> we did one, um, some kind of sphere that we did. It was actually a base for a the larger structure that I was talking to you okay. about. Um, and uh, it, it, needed, it needed some support. So we just put some, some kind of foam below that then was removed. Uh, but other than that, no. Wow, so it was as simple as that. You just put a light foam underneath um, to print over. Is that, did that make it much harder to program? Uh, no, it just, it, just, uh, it just made it, um, you know, a little bit more complex in terms of, uh, of the process because we needed two people that were there adding the foam. Um, constantly and making sure that the layers weren't going to fall. Um, so, but, but we have learned that that's something that just adjusting the material, um, we, can, we can make it work without any supports. By just being careful about how much overlap is on each layer or? Yeah, well, it's a combination of the, the flow control that is something that we can do with, with the software, uh, but also with the mix. All right, so uh, in that case, I believe it wasn't uh, it wasn't curing as fast as what we needed, 
So that's why we just had to adjust it with these uh, in, in a manual way, right? Yeah. Very interesting. I've never actually seen a 3D printer printing in concrete. So that's oh, really? sure one day I will, but it's, that day hasn't come yet. Um, I had a lot of travel plans that were canceled, I guess. I, I feel like if I get on a plane right now um, for something non-essential, it might not be a good move. Yeah, I guess not yet. You, you should wait a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, it would be great if you could come, you know, visit us and, um, and see, see our robots in action. I would love to do that. Are there any projects, like, do you think you'll ever do a project in Peru, maybe? Possibly. Um, so Latin America in general, um, there's a huge potential in terms of affordable housing. So we're definitely, um, we're, we're already talking to some people there. Uh, in Peru and then in a couple of other countries. Um, so that that's mainly the focus over there. So possibly. Peru's mountains are a pretty big logistical challenge for 3D printed construction, right? Um, well, Peru is a really complex country. You know, you have the, the coast, which is flat, is desert. Okay. Uh, the desert, I mean. <laughs> and uh, then you have the mountains, which is, yeah, it's really crazy, the Andes. Uh, really complex logis logistics would be and very high altitude. So um, it would be um, complicated over there, but then you also have the jungle, you know, the, the rainforest. Um, but uh, again, it really depends on where we're building. If it's in the coast, it's pretty easy. It's not many um, hurdles in, in that sense, but maybe in the mountains would be a bit more difficult. Yeah, does Peru get like hurricanes similar to Florida or not so bad? What happens in Peru is that we have El Nino. Are you familiar? I've heard El Nino before, but I thought that was the name of a hurricane maybe historically in America, but please educate me. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so every couple of years, what happens is that uh, the water warms, you know, it gets, it gets warm. And then um, the, the levels, the water levels rise. And then you have all these kind of different disasters like mudslides um, and it just destroys everything. Um, and this happens all the time. So one of the big problems is that it destroys a lot of houses of, of you know, uh, low income families. Uh, and these have to be rebuilt. There, there's actually, um, uh, this happened a couple of years ago in the north of Peru. And there was a large uh, budget that was um, put together for this kind of restoration uh, project, but not much has been done. And I think it's a, it's a combination of uh, lack of effort, but also there's no, uh, there's no real technology locally and skilled workers that can build this kind of massive scale building. So it's definitely a huge opportunity for 3D printing. Yeah, certainly, especially since the concrete houses would probably be able to weather a mudslide much better. Oh, yeah. So yeah, better, better than the way they're built today, yeah. So it's interesting that Peru has such a cyclical, like, hurricane pattern. Um, it must take them so long to recover from that every time, months and months, in order for people to all be comfortable again back in a new house. 
yeah, I guess it years, would be really I would transformative. Say. It would be transformative for the country to not have to deal with that problem so frequently anymore. And I don't know, is that a realistic goal in like the next 10 to 20 years, do you think? I think so. I, I think so. It's, it's a great point that you make. Uh, because if you, if, um, what happens is that in many cases, they also give, give money to people locally so they can build on their own. So the kind of buildings that are being built or the kind of homes that are being built are also like not, um, <clears throat> not well built for seismic, um, things that happen, you know, Peru is a very seismic, uh, country. Uh, so we have earthquakes all the time. Um, and if uh, you don't have a properly enforced house, then um, one not very strong earthquake can just take your house down. And if we um, or the country plans out um, uh, some development project where you're going to have these uh, houses built properly, then that's going to help not just w once, you know, for, for that uh, next year where you're going to get that, um, that disaster. Or, but but it's going to be more of a long-term solution. So I think it's a huge opportunity. Yeah, definitely. There's so many particular use cases in different parts of the world that have huge benefit from this technology, and they're also different. Um, like in Peru, if it's like a lot of other parts of South America, uh, you can find access to labor much easier than you can in like Europe or Finland, right? Yeah. So even though you don't have as much labor added benefit, the, they need a more structural secure house than what the laborers are currently building. And then in other places like you're in Finland where there's a huge cost for labor there, right? Right. Maybe even I think higher than <coughs> in America. And in America I it's getting so. crazy too. Um, so many different places have different reasons that automated construction can add value um, it's just going to be interesting seeing which ones arise first. Like there's going to be some first big community that's going to be 3d printed. And yeah. I guess hopefully the project goes well, um, and it stands for many years and then other people won't really see the, I don't think they'll really see the big benefits of it until it's right in front of them like that. Yeah, it's uh, like like any new technology. It requires some early adopters. Uh, I think the biggest one is um, is people that are interested in the design side, right? Uh, because of the capability of of printing. Uh, but then uh, then affordable housing is also a huge one. Uh, but it's a matter of uh, identifying those um, communities that are really willing to, you know, take that kind of risk and uh, and build the first the first uh, 3d printed uh, communities yeah we live in a big world there has to be some community that wants <laughs> to get started with it yeah yeah definitely it's kind of amazing to me that there hasn't been a bigger development started up by now um just because i mean in the past couple of years alone i'm sure you've seen uh, being involved with hyperion you guys have more competitors now than ever yeah, yeah, there, there's there's uh, some other companies as well doing really cool stuff. Uh, many of them focusing on, on housing. 
which makes sense because it's a massive market. Um, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's, um, I guess it takes time, um, but very soon we're going to see some very large projects. And um, Yeah, a lot of them say they're focused on housing, but like a lot of companies just say a lot of things. Some of them say they're focused on building <laughs> on Mars. Um, yeah. There's a big difference between what the companies say they're going to do and what actually ends up happening, I guess. Um, the first lesson I got in that was with Kaza construction, seeing the, I thought that was so promising. They even had listings on different, uh, different websites with like a multi-million dollar valuation. Um, like it seemed like the real deal. Um, and then just stopped getting news. Is there a place that you'd like to send people like somewhere they can go online, um, to see more information or to contact you? Yeah, yeah, they, um, I, I would like people to visit our website to learn more about us. And uh, if they want to start a project, they can just reach out to us. Uh, if they're just curious about what we're doing, then just email us. We'll be happy to get in touch. Um, if they, if they want to partner with us also, we're, we're pretty big on partnerships. So that's, that's also something that, uh, that we want. Uh, and then also social media. Uh, we, we post a lot on Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, so follow us on our, on our pages, Hyperion Robotics and, um, yeah. So I took the other video that I made, it was like 30 companies doing 3d printed construction, 20 companies, whatever. And I just chopped it up, but it was one of each company. Um, and they performed, some of them performed like incredibly well, like one got 1.2 million views. Um, oh, really? Other ones got in the hundreds of thousands. I'm looking for the Hyperion. the Hyperion Robotics one. It was the footage from the the students, um, and it was like really blurry footage, so it only got six thousand views. But do you guys have any like better footage that you could send me over of yeah, like working? Take a look at the at our. Do you have the Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So check out our website, uh, our, our page, I mean, and um, we have some really cool stuff there. Um, I think, unfortunately, the beam printing is like the worst quality video that we have. Yeah. Uh, still, we got like millions of views uh, on, on Instagram, uh, like third parties that shared it. Uh, but, uh, but we have some other cool ones that are much better quality, and then you can see the printer uh, in action. So just let me know, and if, if you want the file, I can send it to you. There's another person that says they're Hyperion Robotics from the University of Western Macedonia. Yeah, yeah, so that's interesting. They are, uh, or, or maybe that's how you, you thought it was a university project. Yeah. It's, um, they are a robotics group from, from a Greek university, but, but they did something different. I got to figure out how to download videos from Instagram. There's got to be a way to do that. I think there's a way to share them uh, as a post. I don't know exactly how, but again, just let me know which one and, and I can share it with you. Okay, cool. Are you the person who operates that Instagram account? Yeah, I do. Okay, cool. So I'll just, I'm going to follow it right now um, and I'll message you. Yeah, yeah text me there. To get an image.
cool. Yeah, I'll post some of those and we'll see how they do on TikTok. I don't know. It's like some will blast off and then other ones are just like so so. I'm kind of just trying to build whatever audience I can around 3D printed construction and help the whole industry like get more um, attention because I think that it's like everybody involved in it is doing so much engineering work mm -hmm. and so much like science and technology stuff that they aren't focusing on like marketing as much. I guess I'll definitely stay in touch with you throughout future projects. I'd love to um, maybe even do another video like this in the future when you guys have like kind of got some more progress, have some more stuff to talk about. Yeah. Uh, maybe even down the line with a different team member or someone for, so that it could be a different focus instead of a business focus, maybe a software focus or engineering focus. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe with my partner, um, he's, he's also a professor at the university. Yeah, so, sure. So he's used to, you know, to speaking and, uh, and teaching. So, so he would be more, he's an architect as well. So it would be a combination of, um, architecture and, and also, uh, the 3d printing and technology side. So, yeah. Yeah, I know you mentioned like you guys talk about the connection you have with the university. I think it's great that you work with the university because then it gives students access to this kind of technology where they would never have it otherwise. And then you're kind of fueling the future engineers that are going to be working here. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe the people that are not uh, very happy to, you know, to change in the industry um we'll have to change because the new people that are joining the industry already have that mentality of you know automated processes and 3d printing and robotics yeah definitely it'll help the process for sure and it's just good to see i mean even if it doesn't help hyperion robotics specifically like maybe those students are working with you and they end up working for a different company but it helps the whole industry which is going to ultimately yeah. benefit hyperion when more people see that this technology is valid um, exactly there's a lot of other people in this space that are, that have kind of a similar mindset to you and like thinking it's better to kind of share the technology with people and build the whole space. Um, but then there's other people that are trying to like really lock it up with patents and be very secretive um, and hold everything they have to themselves. Have you guys implemented like a patent strategy or are you kind of just not too concerned about that right now? Well, yeah, we, we do, we, we, we have a patent extra strategy, but, uh, but yeah, what we're patenting, we're not showing it. So I think it's, it has to be a combination, right? Uh, you, some people, as you say, are not showing absolutely anything or they just show the end product, which is also cool. Um, but so we are, we're trying to show as much as possible and whatever we, uh, we're patenting, we, we're just keeping it for ourselves. How do you foresee the, the patent environment in this space uh, going forward? Well, <clears throat> yeah, that's a great question. And uh, we need some lawyer help here. Um, I think that technology changes so fast that uh, in uh, in a year, things will be completely different. In a few years, we're going to see some crazy stuff, um, some crazy robots that are going to be completely different. So I, I think that the patenting, the, the IP strategy helps you um, 
mainly if you are a smaller company like like us compared to you know larger construction companies or whoever's or tech companies trying to yeah. get into the space uh something that we have to do along the process to stay protected instead of um you know getting copied by someone bigger uh and then we cannot do anything right <laughs> uh but if we have the patents then we can we can uh, stay safe somehow while we get to that you know next uh, generation technology that um, again it's constantly evolving so that that's how i see it yeah patents are fascinating because they're changing faster than ever before since there's so much innovation these days yeah like two people can invent the same thing at the same time and not know it and then one of them yeah. is infringing a patent who knows like it's such a tricky uh tricky thing and it's fascinating how there's some really old patents around automated construction so yeah those are all expired now and i don't know i this is probably going to sound terrible for you but i'm excited to see the first like legal battles on where the like <laughs> how it ends up um obviously i don't want uh I don't want anyone to get like harmed. I don't want any 3D printed construction companies to get harmed from a legal battle like that. I hope that it goes like maybe the patent, like, I don't know. I would just hope the whole technology progresses together. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's better if, um, if it's somehow, you know, not exactly open source, but but uh, the companies are allowed to um, to develop their technology and to execute their projects without having a, a large company that they just realize that 3D printing is amazing, so they want to um, lawyer up and and sue uh, you know some smaller company or or just patent something that uh, somebody else has developed, right? Yeah, that's uh, which, where it seems uh, really unfair to me. From yeah. it seems like the big companies have a major advantage in the patent space because they have more money allocated towards lawyers and stuff that they already have in retainer and that are specializing in patents. Whereas a smaller company is so focused on their day-to-day -day developments that, I mean, it's too bad that patents have to be something that they have to focus on. Right. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So I don't know if uh, the patenting process or the, the whole environment is going to change at some point. Hopefully, because technology changes so fast that also these old, you know, patenting processes, ha ha they have to change. Um, but, uh, but I think that's another problem that <laughs> hopefully someone else solves. Have you done any work with the Finnish government? Like, are they promoting you, doing projects with you guys or? Um, one of the big things of Finland that I didn't mention is that they're also pretty big in helping startups, technology companies. So they provide funding and uh, they they promote you uh, to local companies. So uh, definitely we're involved with them. Um, not yet on projects, uh, at least not publicly. Uh, so yeah, we we're discussing something related to sustainability with them. So that's probably something we, we should make, we would make public at some point. Definitely. You mentioned, you mentioned partners. What um, kind of partnerships are you guys seeking right now? Well, um, it's basically um, companies, people that are, um, that are in the industry or that want to become part of the industry. 
uh, either companies looking to develop these large-scale projects, um, housing projects or infrastructural projects, um, and uh, and really that um, that they they know that construction has to change. Um, so we want this kind of mentality um, with the people that we partner with. Uh, so, so we can really take our technology and, and our mission of bringing automation and sustainability uh, to construction much, much further. Uh, so, so from a local perspective, let's say in Europe, but also globally, right? Yeah, I like to tell people when I'm talking about 3D printed construction, just like talking to people who don't know much about it. I say, when you look at a picture of the construction of a house 100 years ago, and you compare it to a picture of house construction today, the only difference is that one of the pictures is in color. <laughs> so it's just the same. Yeah. So it's pretty much the same. The camera technology has developed faster than the construction technology. And construction is such a more important industry than cameras, at least in my perspective. Yeah. Um, and according to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, shelter is pretty important to people. Yeah. So people looking to invest in Hyperion Robotics, how is that a possibility? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's also definitely one of the, the type of partnerships we, we're open to. Uh, if somebody wants to invest, they can just reach out to us. Um, and um, yeah, it can be a combination of, uh, you know, someone that has a background in the industry but not necessarily it can also be somebody that that likes the technology and and can help us uh, take our vision further. So to take you back to your Silicon Valley days for a second, are you guys in a seed round of funding right now, or would you call it an A round? Uh, I would say seed. Seed still. Yeah. And so you have gotten private funding, or you're still just working with uh, like personal investments. We have raised some some funding, yeah. Are you allowed to talk about the the valuation, the current valuation of the company? Um, no, not really. So basically, that would be more uh, more open or public once the the Series A um, happen, right? Have you thought about doing any kind of like crowdsourced funding, like Seed Invest or those websites? Mm, we have looked into it, um, but uh, yeah, I, I really don't know. <laughs> it's um, it, it's definitely a possibility, but we're we're not uh, we're not doing that right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely clear that you guys are focused heavily on the engineering technology aspects um, and providing still like the services that people need when they're contacting you for kind of like last minute things maybe and also extremely custom design things yeah yeah and um, really by providing these services just developing new use cases right so so the people that maybe are still not um too open to to using this new technology then uh, later on they're gonna say like okay this makes a lot of sense so let's let's go to them yeah do you guys ever plan on sharing a like catalog of publishable models 
like uh, like uh, like designs like yeah i'm sure at this point you've tested a bunch of different designs and so you know which ones work which ones don't mm -hmm. um is that a part of your business plan maybe or mm, it's definitely a possibility um we we have some things that we have already built so maybe we will um I don't know if like a catalog, you know, like an e-commerce uh, page. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, of course, um, as different use cases that we can show our clients. So we should have some stuff like that soon on our website. Cool. All right, I'll look out for that. Thank you for having this conversation with me. I really appreciate that you took the time to answer all my questions. Um, it's clear you kind of like put thought into questions. You weren't just giving me like BS answers. And I appreciate that. No, no, thank you, man. Thank you. I, I appreciate what you're doing. It's it's really great. And uh, actually, can you tell me a bit about you and your background? Yeah, I first kind of started in construction management jobs um, that I worked while I was in college. So those were all kind of desk jobs. And it was like really background stuff. The I kind of got started in auditing of construction projects oh really not not dissimilar to what you were doing i was auditing um the payroll it was okay. like one of my first real jobs and i was like looking at the what each subcontractor was getting paid and paying their employees versus what they reported to the general contractor hmm. um versus what they reported in their taxes so wow it was an interesting job and I definitely got an interesting insight into how construction works, but I wanted to get more hands-on experience on the job site. So mm -hmm. right now I'm working as a, as a superintendent and we're building out a, a medical doctor's office. It should be, um, hopefully it'll be done within the next few months. Everything's obviously really slowed down right now. Yeah. So it's been a fascinating couple of weeks in construction because a lot of people are afraid of like working right now. Um, for a while, it was really unclear what construction was permitted and what construction wasn't permitted uh, with everything going on. And the every day is like a new surprise, something someone's not there, um, a lot of stuff going on. But I got interested in automated construction, I guess um, a couple of years ago, I saw some video on YouTube of a 3D printed house and I just thought it was so cool. I guess I've always kind of been interested in automation. Um, I guess just because it makes so much sense and historically you see so many ways that it helps people. And I guess for some people they hear automation and it's like gonna take the jobs away, but the jobs are always replaced and yeah. it's always creating new jobs. Um, and I don't know. I really believe in efficiency and free market and all that stuff. So to me, it makes a ton of sense. And I guess I just got into it, started researching. Um, yeah. Realized that my best contribution is probably getting skills on a construction job site so that once I develop the kind of audience for automated construction, then I can, start focusing on construction projects that involve strictly 3d printing construction. So oh, that's great. I'm kind of trying to go at it from that perspective. My 
my major in college was business and engineering. So my engineering background is like kind of half engineering, you know, um, I took the basic like physics and chemistry, um, and I focused on mechanical engineering. So I took like statics dynamics and some of that stuff, but I never got super deep into it. And my degree is still from a business school. So I'm not a competent engineer enough to build my own printer. Um, more focusing on the construction side. Okay, but that's that's pretty good because I guess that's uh, also one of the sides that is is lacking in the industry, right? Yeah, I guess the the construction guys that exist right now, they don't want to do three D printed construction. No. no. So I'm trying <laughs> to be the construction guy that only does three D printed construction. Well, that's that's great. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, let me know. For me, it's not even about the 3D printed part. It's just more about the automated construction. Yeah, yeah, of course. It just makes the whole process simpler, easier. All the problems in construction are people-based for the most part. Um, usually the engineers and designers in the back end do a pretty good job, but then on the job site, something the way it's built, the as-built is always different from the architectural plans. Yeah. So, yeah, the automation just makes so much sense to implement where it adds so much value here. Yeah, totally. Um, I wanted to ask you something else. Uh, was it? Um, oh, yeah. So, for example, in the kind of projects that, you, that you're working on, like this hospital, what would you say is one type of structure that would make, like, like this, it makes a lot of sense to be 3D printed compared to... Actually, it's not a hospital. It's a, it's just a doctor's office. Like oh, doctor's practice. facility. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so the project is mostly a fit-out. The building is already already exists, and it used to be retail stores. So okay. it's just clearing out the retail stores and then building the doctor's office on top of it. Okay, got As it. For what could be 3D printed, I would say a lot of like the desk features... Um, in a doctor's office, everything has to be really sanitary and clean. Yeah. And concrete is a really tricky surface to, mm-hmm. to clean because it's porous, um, right. and rough. So I'm not sure in a doctor's office, the applications, but if somehow the slab could be printed, that would be a huge, huge development for the industry. Um, but yeah. Obviously, like the big I beams and stuff, you can't print those yet. Um, a lot of glass windows. This this specific project doesn't really have a lot of automated construction applications. Okay. But wiring for like a plumbing for conduit, maybe concrete pipes and stuff, um, that could add value. And yeah tricky question yeah yeah i I guess um from now from now on you can like you can start thinking like that you know like what would make sense to start automating or or maybe as you said you know not not exactly 3d printed but like in what way this can be automated Uh, because it can also be robotics you know um placing or putting together the the structures um not just concrete printing 
Yeah, it's definitely a good way to think about it. A lot of the way that I've been thinking about it is kind of from ground up. So like brand yeah. new project. Right. Um, but definitely in the real world, most projects aren't ground up. So it's super important to come up with the applications that'll just maybe for a fit out. Um, like yeah. there's a project that's just a retrofit. Have you heard of Brewill? Brewill? Uh, the Dutch company? I, yeah, they're doing a project where they're just like doing a facade on a building. And so it's not oh, yeah. like structural at all. It's just like for looks. Yeah. So I think with most retrofitting stuff, most of the value added is like for looks. Right. Okay. More, more like aesthetic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is obviously important. Like that building, they're saying it's like such a dated design. People don't want to live there anymore. They're paying low rent because it's like not desirable. Mm. But if That's they can make it desirable again, then it changes the whole environment for people. Then they can charge a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, I love practicality. Yeah. And so the the main draw for me is like the structural security right. and the fact that concrete can be structural. Yeah. Um, so strong in compression. So to to use it for just aesthetics, to me is like not a waste, but it's not it's like not what enough. Technology's best at. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I completely agree. Yeah. Um, I guess it's just a way to to you know to penetrate in the industry and uh, but then then it's gonna become structural, right? Uh, columns, beams, um, slab as well. Um, the foundations are a big part of of buildings, uh, very labor intensive. So it's a huge opportunity. Yeah, I think down the line, like you said really early on in this conversation it'll be a combination of robotics printing with different materials. Yeah. But that's going to open up a whole new can of worms from a permitting perspective. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know how it's that going to play, you know, uh, permitting has to change as well. Um, like the patenting process, the construction permitting has to change. And uh, I, I guess some some kind of tipping point has to happen for them to realize this. Um, we don't know what it is yet, but uh, if not, it's just this process that we have to go through to, to get there. Yeah, I mean, when that tipping point does happen, Hyperion has positioned itself well to be already expert in automated concrete printing. So that's you're, the plan. Yeah. You're ready for that spring-loaded like launch when it happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be busy. But who knows when that'll happen? That could be like two years, one year, six months, five yeah. years. Yeah. I think uh, something interesting, for example, what happens with this uh, coronavirus is that um, it's pretty clear that in the construction site, the least you want is exposure of people. So that's one of the big benefits of 3D printing, right? We, we don't need a lot of workers. We just need two, one to two people to operate the, the robot. Uh, when in a construction site, you have, what, uh, 10 people at least. Um, so th that's a huge benefit. And maybe uh, Mother Nature is telling us <laughs> that things have to change, right? Uh, 
Yeah, definitely. Less people on the job site is a huge added benefit, yeah. especially because with components like the walls, a lot yeah. of times it'll be one guy holding something up and another guy like screwing it in, drilling it. And when they're doing that, it's hard work. So they're breathing heavy. And the yeah. heavy breathing is like how a lot of stuff spreads if it's airborne or whatever. So That's true. Yeah. having two people on a job site instead of 10, and on top of that, they don't have to be close together anymore. They can be yeah. separated. Um, that'll add a lot of value. And then once you have that structural, the walls around, you don't have as much heavy lifting to do that requires two people. So most of the exactly. plumbing and electrical work can be one person kind of on their own rather than, rather than more people. I definitely see the value in the, the virus added value from the need for people to be separated. But yeah. the question is how long-term, how realistic will that need become? Like, is that a year from now, are people still going to want to have limited people on the job sites? You never know. That's true. I, I don't know if, um, uh, again, this is one specific event, which has been pretty, it's still pretty crazy. Fascinating. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we don't know what's going to happen then, but I, I think something is going to happen that will, um have to change the mindset of a of catalyst <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's just a matter of time i think too yeah or maybe we're just crazy <laughs> <laughs> i think we have to be it's the only way yeah i mean it, it is very interesting you get a lot of kind of like open-minded people in this space um and it's the more people that i get to talk to from it the the more I like the more I enjoy it really because the more I realize that like a bunch of people after the same goal um nobody's like making millions and millions of dollars in this industry yet so everybody's still like getting their footing kind of and like establishing their technology their engineering like it's such an exciting time for the space yeah yeah I think uh yeah it's uh it's been a few years already uh, but it's, it's kind of early, right? And even more in construction, such. Um, I was talking to a friend who's uh, he's a civil engineer, and he was telling me it's a it's a Neanderthal industry. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's it's uh, the only way is to to change. Yeah, that's a good description. Maybe even earlier than Neanderthal. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the name makes sense, but could be archaic, right? Looking for like more employees right now, expanding? Uh, we might get some, um, <clears throat> some uh, trainees or interns soon. Uh, we're actually going to hire um, because there's a program in Europe where we can bring people from different countries. Uh, but again, because of the COVID we had to stall a little bit, okay. um, but uh, but yeah, in terms of the core team, we're not uh, hiring at the moment. I'm sure you get a lot of requests for uh, for internships. For jobs, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, which is great, you know. It's cool that people are interested. A lot of requests from uh, people at the universities, either just uh, from a construction background or or people doing research. Um, so yeah, we. We try to we try to help them as much as we as we can. Um, some are asking for too many questions, so yeah, we just um, it, it depends, right? Yeah, 
I mean, I think that's part of the value of having a conversation like this. Like maybe some questions that people have can just be answered in a video rather than having to like email you and like harass for constant whatever conversation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What's the most common question that you get? Uh, <laughs> I think it's about the material. Uh, people uh, want to know the, the components of the material. Um, so, right, so they, they ask, you know, hey, you know, I'm doing some research. Can you help me um, and give me your mix or something like that? Um, so, um, yeah, for example, with the people that we work, um, we, um, we also provide them with our mixes, uh, depending on where they are located. Um, but uh, right now we're not giving them away. No. Yeah, certainly. Are there any other companies in the automated construction space that you are like close with personally? Do you mean, um, um, well, I, I definitely follow everybody in the industry um, in concrete printing. Um, but then there's some more interesting ones in construction automation, like um, in um, automated rebar um, with production, like rebar cages. And, um, and then I know a guy doing um, <clears throat> this um, automated um, scaffolding as well. Um, so yeah, I, I stay in touch with them. And, automated um, scaffolding. Yeah, yeah. What comp what's that called? It's called uh, the company's called uh, Kewaso. How do you spell that? K E W A Z O. Oh, Kewaso. Kewaso must be how you pronounce it. That's really cool. I'll look into that. Yeah, so it's uh, I, I would say it's pretty unique in what they're building. Um and um and yeah, there's and then there's a lot of software stuff, but I'm not very, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the, I like the robotics and you know, the, the whole, uh, manufacturing advanced manufacturing. Uh, I think it's much cooler. Um, yeah. There's so many different components of this space that there's people from all different fields getting yeah. structurally materials, mechanics, software, like so much going on. Yeah, then, then you have, you know, the excavation side, right? These um, autonomous tractors, which are really cool. Um, so uh, this company in the US, Build Robotics. Um, and, um, and yeah, as you say, there's so many components that um, that's how each startup or each small group of startups can focus on, on each of that, right? Yeah, I guess you guys haven't partnered with any big construction companies. Um, not yet, publicly at least. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's uh, we again we we believe that partnering with a company a construction companies would be would be helpful um, and try to put the technology in their projects right. Um, to bring the technology in their existing projects, show them that it works, that it's better than what they use. Uh, so that's that's one of the things we're we're also looking into, the, these kind of uh, construction partnerships.
Yeah, definitely. Especially um, in figuring out the, the added value in the project. So they are going to have a ton of data on the projects that they've already completed and they'll be able to compare it to exactly projects. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'll definitely be uh, be a really important partnership. It's interesting how some big companies have done like little tiny projects or they are only showing a little tiny project. It's like, they're trying to say, we looked at it already. Like we're not that focused on it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's uh, more of a marketing thing, right? Um, they just want to say that they are somehow involved, but, but again, you compare it to the kind of projects that they do and there's still no, no real development um, with them. Right. So um, I guess, again, it's a process and uh, at some point they always, they will say, okay, this, we have to do it no matter what. It's just the only way. Yeah. Have you considered any like space projects at all or is that not on your radar yet? Um, well, <clears throat> we have considered uh, because there are some programs, uh, well, you know, in NASA and, and here in, in Europe with the European Space Agency uh, because the kind of automated technology works for these um, space projects, right? You could just send a robot to Mars or, or to the moon or wherever, and then automatically build with local material, for example, because I don't think we would send concrete from here. Um, but, uh, but I think that at the moment it's more of um, um, these uh, experimental uh, projects, right? um that uh, maybe at some point are going to happen uh, i believe they will happen but it, it's going to take longer if it's taking time in construction and you know here then it's going to take longer in uh, in mars uh so as a company we're not really focusing on it um but uh, yeah whoever is doing it uh they must know something that that we don't yeah, I mean, or they're just trying to do a publicity stunt. You never know. Well, it's definitely, a, you know, it's a big, big vision, right? So if you sell that big vision, um, then um, at the same time, this kind of um, Mars-like uh, buildings, you can also build them here. So it's all about the way they're selling strategy and uh, in the end, what, how do they want to, you know, provide value to to whoever is their, their customer. Yeah, I really think the whole um, 3D printing on Mars thing is a joke. Um, <laughs> because if you look at Elon Musk, right? He's kind of like in charge of the Mars plan, right? Uh -huh. He's like with the SpaceX kind of leading the pursuit to Mars. Um, and I guess he's gonna be like the king of Mars when he gets there or whatever. It seems, yeah. So, he has the boring company, which specializes in digging tunnels. And the reason right. they need to build uh, with automation on Mars is to protect from the like environment and radiation. And right. so to me, it seems like a much bigger challenge to build. First, you need to take the existing material, make a printable material or like a meltable material, whatever, and then print on the surface 
when instead you can just drop one of the boring machines and dig a hole underground. I mean, it seems like a much more effective solution to me. And because Elon Musk is thinking about that instead of like, he doesn't have a 3D printed construction company. So uh -huh. for me, that seems like construction on Mars is just going to be done underground and that's going to be their solution. Yeah, that's a great idea. And uh, at least I haven't heard uh, that from them, you know, focusing on Mars. Um, at least a boring company makes to me a lot of sense what they are doing, for example, in LA. Um, but uh, yeah, it can be underground um, buildings. And uh, something very interesting that, that this guy mentions is that the, the tallest, um, the tallest uh, shafts in the mines are, or the deepest uh, shafts are higher than the tallest skyscrapers. Yeah. So why not underground, right? It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, the easy answer is because you want to have a window that looks outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe you can have some screens, right? Yeah, yeah. Future generations maybe will care less. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but uh, but even you know on Earth, um, when you build these uh, tunnels and shafts, and you know when you go down in the mines, you still need the concrete structure, right? So there has to be some kind of maybe the type of three D printing or or process is going to be different, right? Yeah, even uh, in a tunnel, they still have a structure that could exactly. ultimately maybe be printed yeah. uh, from the back of a robot that's digging the hole or something. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. So they haven't thought about that yet. It's such an interesting field to talk about because there's so many different like ways to yeah. go off. And so many applications and, uh, and the ways you can combine technologies, right? Like where you just said that the boring machine, which is, is really cool to watch and, um, and, and a 3D printer on the back. So that's, that's insane. Yeah. We covered a lot of topics. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, I have loved what, these conversations. What, um, what is your plan now, um, you know, with these kind of um, interview series, you know, talks and, and then um, let's say covering projects, how, how are you thinking to, to move forward? Um, I don't know. I, <laughs> I know that if I just build an audience around it, uh -huh. then I'll be able to take it kind of whichever direction. From um, that, yeah. I guess ultimately, like I said, <clears throat> I would like to do the construction projects. So either like buy the printer from someone or rent a printer. Um, I definitely don't want to get involved in the engineering of the technology. Yeah. There's so many people, so many great people working on that right now. Right. So yeah, I'm not sure exactly where that's going to, where I'll end up fitting in in that. Right now I'm looking at um, buying some either land or a house or something like that. Um, that's the only way if I buy a property, I can do electrical and plumbing work on it myself. And I really want to learn hands-on how to do that stuff so that if I'm the general contractor on a project, I'll know if someone's doing a good job or bad job or whatever. Like, and I feel like if I have a really intimate understanding of it, I'll be better at applying it into a 3D printed project. Yeah. So yeah, in, in America to do electrical or plumbing work, you need to go to a trade school and that oh, could really? take like four years. 
uh, through your apprenticeship and then your journeyman eventually maybe become a foreman um and i don't have time for that process so if i can get a property that needs maybe a new bathroom or a new kitchen or something like that and i do the work myself i can get that valuable experience operating basically as the general contractor for myself um and that's that's the only way i really foresee me being able to start a general contracting firm myself right now because i don't think anyone else is going to in the position i'm in now put me in charge or something like that right yeah yeah you should start your own and uh yeah i, w- I was gonna say something um well you also have youtube right <laughs> yeah i mean that's uh i definitely don't intend on like being a youtuber or whatever um, no, no. But I mean, I mean, um, not not to become a YouTuber, but uh, for the construction processes, like like to learn about the the contracting. Oh yeah, definitely. I love. So there's it. a lot of a lot of tutorials. Um, you know how to put a slab. You know how to do all the plumbing, electrical. So yeah, that's what I meant. I got myself through college on YouTube, and so <laughs> I would say like YouTube has taught me more than any other source. Any class? Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that's my plan completely is to uh to fix up the property, learn whatever details I need to from YouTube or I do know some people uh, that have a lot of experience, so if I need to I can give them a call and just make sure I'm not watching the wrong video. Um so yeah, I feel I feel pretty comfortable that I'll be able to figure it out and yeah, I'm really excited for where I can go after that because then at that point I have some friends that are like in a stage of their lives where they're living in a house and maybe they want to do some remodeling or something, but yeah. they don't have to be as budget. So if I can start to do some projects like that and then maybe build a house from the ground up ultimately within the next two or three years, then I'm really well prepared to present myself as a qualified general contractor. Right. Or, or you can uh, do the first house as a 3D printed house. Yeah, I would love to do that. <laughs> and I will if the timing fits right. Okay. okay yeah. yeah, I don't want to print the first ever printed house because then if it falls, it's like I ruined the whole industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, uh, I, I guess you have to start with a project that is not going to you know, cause any problems like that. Yeah, I'll just start with, uh, with bite-sized portions and... <laughs> we'll see maybe, maybe a garage right yeah i love the idea of a garage actually it's funny you mentioned that um a while ago i was doing like a cost analysis of different objects and printing them and how much the profit could be and uh-huh. i found garage to be the most profitable print oh, really? because in america at least people will pay like an average of twenty four thousand dollars for a two-car garage and oh, wow a two-car garage can be printed for like four thousand dollars or less maybe yeah so that just seems like a really valuable use case now a lot of that cost um in printing the garage is going to be the cost of the slab so that's not really avoidable but right the whole thing including the garage doors and some lighting could probably be done for like twelve thousand or fourteen thousand which is a huge cost savings. So yeah, yeah. I really like the idea of a like garage shed, like simple structures like that, that some places 
might not even require permitting. Yeah, that's true. Here, for example, um, I think is if the structure is under 39 square meters, something like that, you don't need any permitting. So, so that's helpful. 39 square meters. So I know it's when you- By 10, so 10, 10 times, I think. Square feet, 390 would be. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's I'm not sure. 10 by 10. Yeah, 10 by 10. I'm in New Jersey right now. Okay. It's brutal with the coronavirus. We have like 10% of the US cases here in the state. Oh my God, yeah. Uh, are you leaving house, your house at all or, or just staying there? Yeah, I go to the job site every day for the construction. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So far, only one person on the site got sick. Um, and he like told us all he was sick, went home. Um, nobody else got sick from his like group. But yeah, I mean, it's just been but a really... It, but but he got tested or, or he just yeah, went home? Yeah, he got home tested and... and he was positive. Oh. But yeah, he's the only person that I personally know that um, that actually got it. Most people I know have been really safe quarantining and I go to the job site, but while I'm there, I'm really cautious. And then right. like I come With home mask, quarantining after that. So life's definitely changed a lot. It's not like business as usual, certainly. Um, but yeah, I have to say, being in like the worst state in America, one of the worst states for for the virus, it's um, it's not like it's everywhere, you know? Like, I don't know many people that have it. That's the only guy that I personally like know that caught it. So yeah, I, it's very, it's fascinating. I guess um, it's mostly in my town at least, 80% of the cases are in senior citizen homes, which is really unfortunate. Okay. Yeah, the people that are getting most um, affected. Yeah, I guess it just spreads because there's like community housing. So they're all like so close together living in like whatever. Yeah, and it's so easy to spread. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that things open up sooner than later. Um, it seems um, many people putting pressure right on the public. Uh, going back to Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention Elon Musk too. He's like going crazy on Twitter these days. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. Uh, and the stock price is too high, in my opinion. And I dropped ten percent. Yeah, what the heck? But uh, I, I still think that everything you know, he's know what he's doing. He know what's what he's doing. So. Yeah, I think he knows what he's doing a lot too. And like, I have a lot of respect <laughs> for him. So when he says something like that, like when he starts to say it's not as serious, like now it's less of a conspiracy theory thing. I don't know. And like, I always just take Elon Musk really seriously. Even yeah, I guess you can't take him too seriously because he says some <laughs> crazy stuff. Yeah, like I think he started by saying that people are dumb because of the, of the lockdown or, or something like that. Um, or, or that this uh, lockdown is dumb, something like that. Um, so, but then crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe who knows? Maybe he has the virus. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, 
but uh, but yeah there's many business people that are trying to say that it's unfair but uh but you know it's just such an unexpected thing you know a, a new pandemic that people don't even or governments don't even know how to react um so i guess for now just quarantine yeah i mean yeah it's nobody's fault you can't like everyone's just doing the best they can yeah i definitely will i'm planning on going to um the middle east at some point to dubai to see some 3d uh -huh. printing construction projects europe too eventually but i just don't know when i'm going to be able to to make that kind of trip yeah well we're talking to some people also in the u.s um so maybe something will happen there um, projects in the u.s projects yeah um like the reef project for example um not that advanced over there but but something can happen i believe uh so it would be much easier for you to come and see uh but again we are also tied to this traveling thing right we don't know when we can go because the borders are closed yeah it definitely makes for a much better video when i'm actually like on site with a with something yeah yeah also in our next project we're gonna have better footage <laughs> so than the beam yeah that's um, a good investment so definitely and, and we learned uh, there's this other video that we have of um um where, where we're printing these um it, it's an element that has these patterns you know like the printing is playing with the flow and that one went extremely viral so maybe that one's gonna go viral on, on tiktok as well yeah it's so confusing like what goes viral and what doesn't like i personally have no sense for what's gonna do well and what's gonna do poorly tiktok i just like yeah. i'll post something and i'll be like oh this is junk i'll just like flick it right out and then it does like super well and then something really? that i like spent a lot of time on and effort and it'll like do the worst of anything so it's just like i don't know what the science is behind it maybe it's just the unexpected right <laughs> Yeah, but I'll uh, I'll definitely try to post another video of uh, Hyperion on TikTok since the first one didn't do you guys justice. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. In fact, right after this video, I'll uh, I'll shoot you a DM on the Instagram. Okay, sounds good. I'll definitely keep an eye on all the stuff Hyperion's doing on your Instagram, the LinkedIn, um, your website. I guess you guys do post a lot of stuff to LinkedIn. That's a great place for people to follow you. And yeah, anybody that wants to get in contact with you should definitely go on your website and go to the contact page and try to be realistic with their expectations of what you guys are printing, but also understand that you have a team of pretty capable designers. So I guess if they have some concept of something realistic that could be 3D printed, they should just try to like outline it, maybe give you a drawing of what their concept is to visualize. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Any other concluding remarks? <laughs> Anything to conclude? Um, I don't know. I think that uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah.
been great talking to you, Fernando. Yeah, thank you, Jared. It's, it was great talking to you. So yeah, hope, hope we repeat it at some point and if not me, with my partner as well. All right, stay healthy for sure and uh, keep making good progress. Take, take care on the, on the job site and stay at home. All right, later All right, on. man. Nice talking to you.